Hey guys, it is so, so awesome to be with you tonight. And um, yeah, you know, I was looking at Carl and I was trying to think, um, I knew Carl back in the 1990s, and I was trying to think, were you 17 or 18 or... Because you're like 32 now, hey? Okay. Okay. And um, yeah, we, we're from the AM congregation, and um, I've... I was saying for a while, I've been wanting to come over and just see how you guys are doing. You look well. You look okay, some of you. And, um, oh man, and I praise the Lord just having Yules here and Martin and um, the fellow elders at, at uh, AM. And, yeah, um, oh, I'm so glad to bring the word to you guys this morning. I want to welcome this evening my wife, Corin. Come stand up and say hello. And got my daughter Shiloh here, my eldest. So the Lord has blessed us with not just one, not just two, but three teenagers in the house. And an eight-year-old boy. So, yeah, pray for us. But um, guys, I want you to take your Bibles and um, turn to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And um, while you're turning there, um, I just wanted to ask you guys a question. The whole war that's going on in the Ukraine, how many of you would like to see that war just instantly stop? Hey? Or should I rephrase that question? How many of you would like to see the petrol price come down? (laughs) Okay, okay, we got it. Okay, so I'd like to pray for that. And um, if if you want to stand with me, and you know, I've, I've got a verse in the Bible that um, I hold to when there are wars and I always pray. I hate war. And I always pray, Lord, bring an end to this. And uh, there's a scripture that says he makes wars cease. And uh, we want to really ask the Lord and just press in. I know some believers in Ukraine and uh, they're going through hell at the moment. And so we want to pray. We want to ask. Yeah, in Cape Town, South Africa, our prayers can touch another part of the world. And so if you've got the faith for that, won't you stand with me? And we're going to pray in Jesus' name because there are demonic spirits at work. Um, The enemy is just out to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so, Lord, here you said you were looking for those that would stand in the gap. And, Father, we come tonight to pray with faith in our hearts to a God who sent the Prince of Peace to come to earth, to the one who loves peace. And, Lord Jesus, you said that you would break the spear that you would make war cease. You said, be still and know that I'm God. And so, Lord, as your church body here, we collectively call upon you tonight, and we pray for an end to this crisis, Lord God. We pray for the protection of cities. We pray, Lord, for the protection of people, of families, of children, and teenagers, Lord God. And we want to ask Jesus that you would push back the enemy, God. We want to pray in Jesus' name that you would protect church communities there. We know there are lots, Lord, and we pray for them tonight. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Guys, well, I believe I've got about 10 minutes. So we're going to make this quick. Second Timothy, I oh, want you to give me my glasses there. Thanks. Second Timothy chapter 1. And I've uh, got some amazing verses here. And uh, I want to look at that. Do you guys have your Bibles here? Yeah. Huh? Awesome. Guys, how many of you know that verse? God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. You're cheating. Okay but of power and love and self-discipline or sound mind. God has not given us, let's read it together, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I've titled this tonight, A Message for Uptights and Quiet Types. Okay. Where were all the people that said amen to the petrol price? How many of you are getting uptight with things? Okay, come, confession time. How many of you are uptight? Okay. 
And then we're the quiet types. Okay, the introverts. Where are you? Praise the Lord. Every church has them. We need them. Okay. And, you know, I think the one thing as, I don't know if you were this way, but when you think about the gospel going out, the book of Acts, and Paul the Apostle, and Peter, and you, you tend to think that the apostles were these like turbocharged men and women, these powerful, charismatic preachers, these outgoing types, and I think we make the mistake. When you look more closely, you realize that there were a lot of introverts among them, a lot of silent types. And I started thinking about it and realizing that there are a lot of quiet types in the Bible. Jeremiah was one. He was called the weeping prophet, very soft-hearted kind of man. There was Mark. He wrote the gospel of Mark, very soft young man. Uh, when he, Paul took him on their first missionary journey, he got cold feet and he departed, left them. Uh, there was Andrew. Now, interesting, Andrew, very, you hardly ever read of him in the scriptures. But Andrew, the silent type, quiet type, was the one who, when he came to Jesus and discovered Jesus, he just quietly left his place, went to call his big brother, said, Simon, come with me. I found the Messiah. And you know, God truly does use the quiet types and the introverts. And um, it's something exciting that God does. Um, I think back, and Corinne, myself, we've been in ministry for 20-something years, and I can remember the first quiet type that came into our church. We um, planted in Greenpoint, and uh, we had a lot of rowdy types, but one Sunday, this very quiet, soft-spoken, French-speaking African from East Africa, a village, came to church. His name was Anaclet, and he couldn't speak too much English. And he came to meet me after the service, and shame, we were a casual kind of church, and he was dressed up in a suit. Someone had invited him, and he'd come dressed in a suit, and I, I don't know what he was expecting, maybe an Anglican kind of church. But um, he came in, and afterwards, he was talking, and I could hardly hear him. I mean, I had to really listen hard to, yeah, I'm a surfer, I've got surfer's ear, and I'm like, what are you saying? And um, afterward, met him, and that evening I said to Corin, I said, did you meet that guy, Anaclet? And, and she's like, yeah. I said, he kept calling me Lord all the time. I'm like, what's up with that? And um, it, it was his translation of the French word, but he kept saying, my Lord. After a couple of weeks, I said to him, bro, don't call me Lord. It's, it's, it's not good. It's only one Lord. <laughs> and um, this, this guy, I mean, shy, quite introverted, but loved the Lord Jesus passionately. And uh, he was, um, we, we, we thought, look, we've got to get this guy in ministry. He, um, I mean, so much potential. And uh, just had a beautiful relationship with the Lord. And we thought, okay, let's just help him with the English a little bit. And so another lady in our church was an English teacher. And, um, we called on her and she started to train him. And she said, look, he's got real um, he doesn't, because he's so shy, he doesn't move his mouth. So, you know, he's got this heavy, thick French accent and, you know, he hardly moves. So she had to train him to start moving his mouth when he talks so that the world could understand what he was talking about. And because I want to get him up preaching and stuff. So um, she would take little stones and she'd put stones in his mouth and not talk with stones in your mouth to kind of get him to articulate. It kind of half worked. And until um, you got kidney stones. And, um, <laughs> and um, we put him, we, we uh, had a Bible school program running. And so we put him through Bible school. And there he is in Cape Town. He's leading a church. And um, just awesome how God uses the most introverted, the Andrews, the Marks. And I want to, if you can identify, because I know in a church like this, there are those of you who, when you're in a, a group praying, and you're the person that's not praying. You're just saying amen to everyone else's prayers. You know what I mean? And, 
And when it comes to, hey, we need a volunteer, you know, someone, we need someone to come share testimony. You're the person that doesn't put up your hand. You're like, no, I'll pray for the other person who does it. And, and I just got a word. God wants to use you. And God wants to do something in your life. And I believe even tonight. Um, because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity. But of power and love and self-discipline. And we've got this amazing letter over here. Of Paul the fatherly apostle writing to a very timid disciple, Timothy. And I want to ask you to join with me as we read, and we're going to look at the first chapter. And I thought I'd, I might just pick out a verse, but I wanted you to get a feel of the warm, loving way, because I believe we're the extroverts here tonight, okay? You, you guys are just you gangbusters for anything, Hey. You'll volunteer, you know, when they say I need one volunteer, you put both hands up, okay? And we're the kind of guys that need to walk through and help others through those that normally don't volunteer. And we've got to help them. And this is something about Paul, is that he takes this timid Timothy and he pushes him to the front and he helps and he counsels and he coaches Timothy through. And I, you know, when God began to lay this word on my heart for you guys, I really, and I've never preached this message anywhere else, I just believed it was unique for you guys, that there's some Timothy sitting here tonight. And that there are some that God specifically wants to take out the spirit of fear and the spirit of timidity and that he wants to give you and clothe you in his power, his grace, which is of course the power of Jesus, the grace of Jesus. And you might be a teenager here tonight, and um, you, again, it's just this thought of like, hey, I've got a heart for God, I've got a hunger for God, but I just don't call me anywhere near the front. I was like that. God does want to use you. Carl can tell you about the Christian surfer days when God had us up on podiums and things like that, and man, I felt so out of place. It was the last thing on earth I wanted to do. I don't mind being out surfing, but to... Do those Christian surf events, and guys were getting saved. And so it took a real breakthrough, even on my part, to be willing to stand up and hold a mic and talk and share the gospel with the crowd. And, and so, yeah, I believe God's going to give some breakthroughs. Corin, won't you come and read this chapter to us? And my wife's such a good reader, so I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm the timid one. He's trying to get me to break out. So if we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 1, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I've been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lewis and your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher 
an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. As you know, everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me, even Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and his family, because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. Awesome. So I wonder if, while Corin was reading that, if you just got a sense, and I mean, imagine the Lord speaking those very words to you, and um, telling you, if you look there at, um, at verse 6, where Paul says to Timothy, this is why I remind you to fan into flames, or to stir up the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. So just so you know a little bit background of Timothy. How many of you guys have heard of Timothy? You know something a little bit about him. Okay, Timothy came from a city called Lystra, where Paul had met him on his second missionary journey, had taken him along. And um, Timothy was one that had a relationship with the Lord that began in his childhood. I want to underscore that word for you, childhood, okay? When he was a kid, that's when God began to birth faith in him. Faith is a gift from God. It's not from ourselves. Parents cannot make faith in a child, but they can nurture faith in a young child. I'm so thankful for my children who love the Lord Jesus. I've seen God working in each one of them, stirring their hearts up for him. And um, one area where we must never overlook. How many of you guys are parents, fathers and mothers here tonight? Most of you. Okay. And, you know, the, the, a child, because they are small, they are so easy to overlook. They are so easy to just hand them the remote control and say, hey, um, just watch TV. Mom and dad are going out and, and take care of yourself. Here's supper, here's dinner. And we forget to give them the living bread, the bread of life. The Lord Jesus. And it's so important. And, and I, I really do feel like a, a big part of our ministry at Josh Gen is to bring in the younger generation, to bring them through. And guys, if we, if we overlook the children, if we look at the kids' ministry and think that's just, um, you know, to kind of keep them up there while we can get into the Word, we're missing it big time. They need the word. When you look at what they are dealing with, when you look at what they are being exposed to, they need the word. Guys, I'm so thankful. Um, in my second grade year, the Lord gave me such an amazing Sunday school teacher, so full of love for Jesus. And I can remember, and this is just to encourage you, sometimes it's the tiniest little things that you do that can have big impact on a child. Is One year, she gave me a little pencil I mean, it was an expensive pencil, just a plain pencil, and it had on it, in gold writing, Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. To go, uh, no, I, I never, ever have forgotten that verse. And every time I hear that verse or think of that verse, my mind goes back to that teacher, Linda Warren, who gave me that pencil, was it a little prize or something, um, a little while later, she gave me, I think it was her, she gave me this book called God Smuggler, a little um, comic book. You know the story, Brother Andrew? It was so awesome, and I remember reading, lying in my room on the floor, paging through, and I got to this part. Now, if you don't know the story, you have to read it. But he's beetle, he was going in to smuggle Bibles into Russia, 
go past the Iron Curtain and, and um, he'd, he'd packed all these Bibles, hidden them, and then the next trip he did, he thought, I'm not going to hide them. I'm just going to trust God that when I go through the border post, they, uh, God's going to blind their eyes. And so he prays his prayers, piled all the Bibles inside his vehicle. He comes to the, the stop where the guards are looking in and he prays before he comes into the border crossing. And he prays and he said, Lord, you made blind eyes to see. Now may see, make seeing eyes blind. And he drives through and they don't. And I, like, I, I looked at that and I was like, God, at that specific moment, I was probably about nine, ten years old. God injected faith into my heart. The faith for miracles. It began at that young age. And guys, just remember, it's the little things. It's the Christian comic. It's the, the pencil with a verse on it. It's those small things, moms and dads, that you can do. Or aunties and uncles or grannies and grandpas that you can do, that you can invest in the spiritual life. Look at what it says of Timothy. It says um, in verse 5, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Timothy's dad was a Greek and probably not a believer, but his mother and grandmother were. And they massaged the word of God into him. And through that, Timothy becomes a close associate with Paul the Apostle. Isn't that awesome? And of course, he goes through and he experiences um, being on Paul. And, and guys, if you can just imagine what it would be like to be a travel associate with Apostle Paul. How many of you would take that job if it came your way? Yeah, I thought not. Okay. And so, so Paul's, you know, when Paul talks about his experiences on his missionary trips, and like, guys, when I just think about it, I can, I think, okay, Paul determines he's going to go on a missionary trip, and he gets Barnabas or Silas, Timothy, and he goes, guys, we're going on a missionary trip. And, and I can just imagine in my mind, Satan, to the demons. Hey, demon of Asia, we, we, um, we, we got Paul going out, okay? Dispatch your troops, okay? And get, okay, he's going into Greece. Okay, guys, where, where's the prince of Greece? Let's kind of nail him over there. And, and so Paul goes through three shipwrecks. A night and day, he's out at sea. He is stoned. He's beaten five times. He is whipped. He is beaten. He goes through this torture tunnel. And Paul, at this very moment, if you were noticing the words, he says, look at verse 12. He says, that's why I'm suffering here in prison. And so Paul's experience was one of hardship. You know, when Paul became a believer, you know what the Lord sent him? The Lord gave a prophetic word through a man named Ananias. And you know what his, the word were? I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Can you imagine that? The day you become a Christian, hey, you're going to suffer, lady. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty intense, isn't it? And Paul's whole life and ministry was one of suffering. And he says, I'm not ashamed. And so, um, yeah, what a guy. And so, I think for Timothy, being Paul's travel companion, must have felt like one of those t-shirts in the washing machine. You know, <laughs> you know, and this intensity of just being with Paul. And I mean, Paul lost travel companions. Um, I, mean, I mean, they didn't all last around for pretty long. I mean, if you look at, um, just go to the end of the chapter and take a look at, um, I think it's chapter 4, um, verse 9. And he says, Timothy, please come to me as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and he's gone to Thessalonica. Crescens, he's gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And bring Mark with you when you come, another introvert, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus, and when you come, be sure to bring the coats I left with carpets at Troas, and bring my books, especially the papers. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. So, he says in verse 16, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me, may it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. And yes, the Lord will deliver me 
from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. He's not jaded, is he? But notice all his friends were immigrating. <laughs> I mean, those are really intense. They're going all over the world. I don't know if any of you feel that way. You know, everyone's leaving South Africa except for me. How many of you got brothers and sisters or family overseas? And they're like, when are you coming? <laughs> you say, when, when God tells me. And so um, this is something, you know. And yet Timothy, who was so timid, brought up by his mommy and his gran, but yet Paul saw value in him. And guys, if we overlook the quiet types, if we overlook the shy types, if we overlook the introverts in the church, the kingdom of God is going to suffer for it. Because there is something, and the one thing I find about quiet types and introverts is that they have a big heart for God. They have a big heart. There's no, they're not dealing with issues of pride and wanting the limelight. In fact, they'd rather run from it. You know, we had a girl a few years later after Anaclet came into the church. Her name was Marty. And she came from a town I never knew existed in the Karoo. It was called Middle Post. Do you, have you guys ever heard of that? I hadn't. They, apparently, they got their own postal code. Just got it last year. No. <laughs> but, like, I mean, she was introvert of introverts. And I can still remember the first Sunday she'd come to Cape Town to study. And the first Sunday that she came to church, she was so socially awkward. And I mean, it was just so intense. You know, being in Cape Town was intense. But then coming to church and meeting a new church family, and it was so hectic for her. And, but I'll never, never forget. A few months later, after she'd been sitting under word, she said, I want to get baptized because she came out of a traditional church. I want to get baptized. And so we baptized her and we prayed for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And one Sunday morning, she comes to me straight after the service. And I mean, she was, you know, she was so awkward. She would blush whenever you spoke to her. And she comes walking to the door and she says, uh, uh, I think God's calling me into ministry. <laughs> like, okay, what are we going to find for you to do? You know? But she became one of the best, most amazing children's ministry workers that we've ever had. She led so many kids to Christ in Cape Town, we lost count. And you see, if I just overlooked, I thought, oh, yeah, okay, socially awkward, this is not going to work. And if I, if I just think about the, the way the kingdom was enriched, kids today are walking with Jesus because of her. And so how amazing it is. Guys, we have to invest. And so Paul nurtures Timothy. And so, um, guys, this is something that I just really, and I want to minister, even if I'm only going to hit one person tonight, and I believe there are more, but I just want to say to you tonight, whoever you are, that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. And it's time for God to begin to stir up Paul says, fan into flame the gifts of God in your life. And you've been sitting in the back too long, I'm not talking about you, maybe the one behind you, but I'm, I'm just saying, you've been taking the back seat too long, and it's time where God is ushering you forward. And to, tonight, I believe, is a word for you to come forward. In fact, I believe, and, and I thought about it, I actually want to do something that even if you are the introverted quiet, silent kind of type, whether you're all the way there or just a little bit or whatever, even to call you forward tonight, that would be a big deal. Say, hey, come to the front. It'd be so easy to say, while well, every head is bowed and no one's looking around, yeah, you'd raise your hand easily. But you call you, wow, that's, that's a bit intense. I don't know about that. But I believe it's what God wants because I believe God wants to bring you a breakthrough tonight. And God wants to say, I know who you are, I know your name, and you're a Timothy to me. You're someone that I want to use, and I've got big plans for your life in my kingdom. And all you need to do is step forward, fan it into flame, that gift of the Spirit. You might be a teenager here tonight, and God is saying, this is a time, this is a moment where I want to turn things around for you. I want to begin to use you. You no longer, you just go with the flow, but you go with my flow. And so God is doing this. And so notice the Spirit's power. And there's 
what, what the Lord's saying here, not given us a spirit of fear. Guys, my biggest, 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 hugest fear in my teenage years and early 20s was public speaking. Seriously, it would absolutely make me run. I could surf, you know, I surfed um, back in my 20s, I surfed some big waves, Sunset Beach and paddle out a pipeline and other big um, wave spots, but to speak in front of 10 people. I remember once I told this, and I shared this with one of the youth leaders. And um, so, and I said, like, man, you speak so well, and you're yeah, okay. You know, I, I, I just hate to even talk in front. That Friday night, he calls me up to the front, and he's like, hey, Demetrius, got something to share with you. And I'm like, no, no. And he's like, come forward. Hey, everyone, call it. You know, I'm like, this guy, I'm going to kill him. And, um, you know, and I just think of those times and moments where, where, but God had to break something in me to get me to this place where he could begin to use me. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And so, you know, what is it that makes you afraid? Is it speaking in front of people? Is it confrontation? Is it the fear of having your faith stretched? What is that thing? Is it, is it that you might look foolish in front of your classmates or workmates? What is it? What is it that keeps you at the back, that keeps you from being vocal about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And it says that God hasn't given us that spirit. And the first step to getting free of this fear and getting free of anxiety and getting free of shyness is the first step to realize it doesn't come from God. You see those words? Oh, where are they? Up on the screen, coming to you. God, what are the words? Has not given us. And so the first step, and you might say, and tonight, this might be a breakthrough moment for someone here tonight, is you might be saying, well, that's just who I am. That's my, you know, I'm a, what are the personalities? I'm phlegmatic and what's the other one? The more melancholic or that's just who I am. It's, it, that's my nature. It's not. God has not. God doesn't create fearful people. That spirit of fear comes from somewhere else or someone else. It might come from your upbringing, just the way that you were raised. It might come from your school career or school time where you were picked on or something like that. It might come from there. It might originate from somewhere. But what God is saying tonight, it doesn't come from me. This isn't God who's making me feel this way. And so you can have a major breakthrough moment right now if you would just realize that verse, it says God has not given this. It's not of God. And you can release that thing and say, Lord, I acknowledge probably comes from somewhere, it comes maybe my personality, maybe the weakness of my flesh, my insecurities, it comes from somewhere, but it's not from you, God. Can you say amen to that? God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not. God doesn't make people timid. You see that? He has not given that to us. And so three things he has given us. Can you say God has given us a spirit of? God has given us a spirit of power. That's the first thing. And to know that God gives power. Acts 1.8, God said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. One of the first signs of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not falling backwards, it's not shaking, it's not anything. It's the power of God that comes upon a man or woman, or boy or girl. It's the power to become a witness of the Lord Jesus. You shall receive power. Power, that power, we could use the words inner strength, confidence, um, boldness. Do you remember that before, immediately before Pentecost, when the disciples were meeting, they were meeting behind locked doors, they were fearful, they were insecure, they thought that after the Jews had, the Jewish leaders had got Jesus, that they were going to come after them. They wanted to get back to Galilee as quick as they could. And in that very space, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And Peter stood up to preach. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. The other apostles filled with the Holy Spirit. The power of God came over them. And so that was the, the first step, is to pray for that strength. That 
pray and ask God to fill you with power, fill you with inner strength, fill you with courage. Read in Acts chapter 4, verse 29. It says, And now, Lord, look, hear their threats, and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. What were they doing? They were praying together because persecution was rising. And they said, if we're going to just sit here and be insecure and shy and reclusive, we're going to miss this great moment. And so they prayed this prayer, Lord, grant us boldness. And verse 31 says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. How many of you would like to have that boldness to Monday morning, when I go to work, when I go to school, when I go to college, to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ? You would like that? Two people. Yeah? (laughs) That's better. Okay. So, we want to pray and we want to ask God tonight to give you that spirit. But not only the spirit of power, but secondly, the spirit of love. Can you say God has given us a spirit of love? God has given us a spirit of what? Love. And you see, if it was just the power, well, that could be pretty scary without love. You know, Paul, when he was talking in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, if I have not love, it profits me nothing. And so I can have all faith, I can move mountains, but if I have not love, it profits me nothing. You see, the power needs to come together with the love. And of course, there are many people and Powerful evangelists and men who've got the power to raise the dead, but they do not have love. We don't want to raise those kind of Christians, do we? So we want the power, but we also want the love, the love of God's Spirit. For God so loved the world. And Romans 5 verse 5, the love of God has been poured into our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so we need the love of God. And when the love is there and the power is there, they work together beautifully to minister in. Look at the way that Paul refers to Timothy. He doesn't say, Tim, you young Christian. He says, Tim, my dear son. And you see the the love of God. And this is something that I'm so loving about being part of Josh Jen, is that there's a lot of love here. There's a lot of warmth. Um, I can remember when I was a young boy, my dad, um, now in his 90s, loves the Lord, and he's always served over the years as an elder in his church. And I can remember being a young boy in the Baptist church and hearing them talking to each other, my dad and his friends at church, and, yeah, Brother Nicky. Yes, Brother Frank. Hey, how are you, Brother Graham? And, and so they'd have these brother, brother, brother. And I'm like, remember, Dad, why do you call everyone brother? You know, these things little kids think. You know, why, why is everyone your brother? You know, no, that's just a Christian term we use for each other. There was a sense of family. That's in the Lord. Anissa Forrest. He's almost, my surname's Nikki Forrest. He's like Anissa. He's my, one of my second cousins. It's verse 16. May the Lord show special kindness to Anissa Forrest and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. And so he came to Paul in this time of need. When I was in Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. That's what love does. Love goes out searching for people, bringing people in, sharing a love. Hey, last point. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and love. And what's the third one? Self-discipline. How many of you need that in your life? Guys? Okay. I'm surprised there's some ladies here too. I thought the ladies were the disciplined ones. Okay? But self-discipline or a sound mind, self-control, same thing. But, um, you know, when I I think of that, um, that spirit of self-discipline, it's not about my self-confidence. Hey, I can do that. It's about a God confidence. No, no, I, I was thinking about this and I was pondering this today, you know, because I'm coming along to preach in a church of people. I, I, I know a few of you. I don't know every one of you. I don't know where you guys are at with the Lord. Like tonight could have been a hit. It could have been a miss. I could be speaking. You go, no, we're all extroverts. I, I mean, you, you know, like the, the odds. And I'm thinking about this and, 
And um, I just want to hear the Lord. And I just want to know, hey, I'm, I'm bringing what's needed for this time in your lives. And I'm, I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm just like, I, mean, I realize, okay, yeah, I'm thinking about this, but I'm not nervous, I'm not anxious, I'm not stressed. My wife just told me I was a bit quiet. But I was praying, you know. And I realized as I was driving here tonight, I'm very confident tonight, but not in myself, in the Lord. I'm God confident. And it's a beautiful thing to be not self-confident, what the world would try to push you towards, but to be God confident. Because the Lord says, and he says, notice those words in chapter 2 and verse 1. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Guys, do you know that the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, where Jesus suffered and died for us, and you say, well, why did he do it? Well, clearly to forgive us of our sins, to take away our sins. But that same moment, that same Jesus who died on the cross to take away sin, also died on that cross to add to your life. To add life to the full. To bring you out of sin, out of fear, out of timidity, but to add power and love and self-discipline, and it all comes through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that grace we can access by just coming to Jesus, that simple act like coming and saying, Jesus, I seek this, not from within, but from above. I seek it from you. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-confidence. And that's what I want to pray for you. And I want to pray and ask God, you know, there are some that say, you know what, you don't need to talk about Jesus at work, to your neighbors, at school. You just need to live it out. Just show people by your life. You know, you're a secretary. Make sure your pencils are nicely sharpened. Your desk is nice and neat and order. That's not going to bring people to Jesus. They might say, what an amazing girl, what an amazing woman. That guy's got it all together. But you know when Paul, he did that, actually Peter and John, when they healed that crippled man, that was an amazing moment. It was an action. It wasn't words, it was just an action. They healed this man. He's walking, leaping, praising God. Peter could have said at that moment, you know what, it's beautiful. And we'll see how wonderful, you know, what the name of Jesus did for that crippled man. And let's go home and, you know, everyone can become a Christian now because they saw. But he didn't stop there. Because, you know, faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. And you see, it's your testimony on Monday morning that's going to save. It's not necessary your life. Your life does play. Your life confirms. But... When Peter was speaking, he said, you know, God shows a good while ago that by my lips, the Gentiles should hear the gospel and believe. It's your lips. And God wants to set that free. Paul could say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In Romans 10 verse 9, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you get saved. It's by using your mouth, using your lips. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says that we cannot declare that truthfully except by the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I'm not a, I am a believer in altar calls and everything, but that one I don't like, the one part of it, it's the one line that they pray while every head is bowed, while every eye is closed and no one's looking around. Raise your hand. That's not in the Bible, is it? That didn't happen on the day of Pentecost when the people were running forward to get saved. Because if you're going to start people on their journey with God with everyone's eyes closed, no one's looking around, put your hand up or your finger or look at me. What's going to happen when they get into the office on Monday morning? No one's looking around. No one has to know. Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father and the angels. And he says, whoever denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father and the angels. 
And so if you're one of those silent types, it says, I'd rather just live a good life, but I'm not going to speak at work. I'm not going to speak at school or college. I'm not going to chat to my neighbor about the Lord and about his salvation. God hasn't given you that spirit. You need to get rid of it tonight. And so I want to ask you, and I want to invite her. I don't know how you guys want to do this, but I just felt like I need to call someone forward tonight and just pray and ask the Lord, Lord, just completely do a new work. I had such an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit and just getting free of fears and anxiety to be able to minister freely and to be able to just forget about myself and just focus on God and what He wants to do. And so let's stand together, all of us, and um, if you want to come forward tonight and you want to just say, I'm leaving my timidity behind, I'm leaving my anxiety behind, I'm just tired of being anxious, I'm tired of worrying, I'm tired of being so concerned what people think about me, and... I want to let go tonight that spirit of fear and timidity. And I want to ask Jesus tonight to give me power to fill me with His love and to fill me with His self-discipline that God, yes, God, that you would carry out your good, your pleasing, your perfect will in a life tonight. Oh God, what an honor it is. And folk, I believe that God wants to enrich this congregation. And I believe that God is handpicking the quiet types tonight. The insecure types. And said, find your security in me. Tonight, Lord is saying to you, I want to deliver you from your fears. Do you guys know that David was a fearful man? We all think of him as the one who strangled lions, the one who faced off to Goliath. But when you read his Psalms, you read of a man that went through moments of great fear, moments of anxiety, where he came before the Lord and he's like, Lord, deliver me of this. Perhaps even in this season that you're not just by nature someone who is fearful, but Things have come into your life that are making you anxious, sleepless. I want to encourage you to come to the front and to leave that, to let go of that thing. Whatever you're feeling insecure about, just bring it up before the Lord. And elders, if you'd be, come up here. And, and um, wives, if you come up and just minister as folk are coming forward. We want to pray for that liberty that comes through the gospel, comes through Christ. Jesus. Good job. Cole, you want to take it? Yeah, let's um just continue to wait on what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is the one that does the work. You know, there's one thing that breaks the spirit of fear, and that's been full of the Holy Spirit. It's Him that does it. He says, I will give you a spirit of boldness, and power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I do want to ask if, if, if you have been living under a spirit of fear and you want that to break over your life, there's one thing that does it. That's been full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking very specifically to people here tonight. And you might not necessarily have to come to the front, but I want you just to respond to what the Lord is saying. But I do want to ask that if you have been living under a spirit of fear and lies, that you'll never break out, you'll never step out, you'll never move past, you won't find breakthrough. That is a lie of the enemy. And it's the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that will set you free tonight. But, and if that is you, and you're feeling that you need a fresh touch, an infilling of the Holy Spirit, that you say no longer, tonight is, it stops tonight. 
and you know you need to push through the crowd and you need to come to the front, you need to respond for the, to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to respond. And I want you to push through. And we want to pray for you that you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be of boldness, that you no longer live under a spirit of fear. Guys, I know there are those kind of fears that we have about our lives, about the economy, about our homes, about our children. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. The Lord wants you to know tonight He's got you. The prophet said, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. We just need to know that. But there's something else that I believe that God wants to do yet tonight. And it's, it's a belief that the Lord wants to tell you tonight, I'm choosing you for my ministry. I'm choosing you to fan into flame a gift of God's Spirit that was given to you a long time ago. And it's a gift that you haven't been exercising actively. It's a gift of God. It is very precious. And that God is saying to you, I want you to stir that thing up. I want you to stir up that gift. And it's been fear an anxiety or feeling like, hey, this won't make a difference in anyone's life. Who am I? And that the Lord wants to release something upon you tonight. That God wants to break into that. You've been holding back. That you want to lift your hand up, anyone at the front, so that we can pray specifically into that. God wants to release. He wants to bring out the Bible says various ministries, works of God's Spirit. Lord Jesus, release those gifts, we pray. Our Father, we pray that you would pour out faith upon their hearts, God. Stir it up tonight, Jesus. Stir it up tonight, God. Pray for that, Jesus. Oh, God. Pray for that, Jesus.